0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the official inaugural episode of Rage Quit, the video game talk segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, for an opening episode of a very special show, let me introduce to you my good friend, Wiley, a.k.a. The Venomous Stare. Wiley, welcome to the very first episode of Rage Quit. Ready to talk some gaming, buddy?
1: I'm ready. I've been an avid gamer my whole life. Let's do this.
2: I am too. Now, how long have we known each other, Wiley? Five years?
1: Yeah, about that.
2: About that, yeah. Going back to the days at the University of North Texas. And it's funny that we've known each other for five years, and I think it's about time, since you just mentioned that you've been an avid gamer your whole life, I think it's time that I learned what kind of gamer you are, and you learn what kind of gamer I am. So let's get right to it. So what was your very first video game system?
1: <clears throat> well... I started playing computer games and N64 and PS1 all around the time when I was like 4, so it was like 99, like 2000-ish. And uh, I started with N64, and I had Super Smash, which of course was like god tier, and then I had this like goofy Donkey Kong story game. That was, like, sort of beyond, like, a child, but, like, I played a lot of Smash with friends growing up, and that was, like, a big part of, like, the typical, like, have friends come over and sit down and do the, you know, everyone has the controller in their hand, and what was cool about Smash is obviously, like, it wasn't a split-screen game, so four people could play it together without, like, any quality degradation and a lot of different setups, And then whenever I first started playing PC around the same age, I played three games a lot. Grand Slam 2000, which was actually a baseball game similar to like MLB The Show. I was on the computer, which is funny because now whenever you see sports games, they're like, even if people play them on the computer, they use a controller. I was using a mouse and keyboard. And then Quake 3 The Arena and Doom 2. So those were like the very first games that I played. What about you?
2: Well, it seems that your childhood as far as video games was a bit similar to mine. My very first one was the Nintendo 64. Now, back then, you know, obviously, my fr- my first my favorite N64 game, it's got to be either The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time or 007 GoldenEye.
1: Goldeneye was great. Yep. Yeah.
2: I mean, the soundtrack, you know, the gameplay, everything. But, you know, I was just like, you. Know, I had the friends over, you know, you know, playing the N64. I mean, I, I love Super Smash Brothers. My go to guy was Link. Of course it was, since I just mentioned Ocarina of Time, is one of my favorite games, so of course it's going to be Link. Um, It was actually. Yeah, pretty-
1: I like I to play Link too. He was fun. Mm-hmm. The jumping, spinning sword thing that he does, like a little Beyblade, was. I remember, yeah. I always thought really, like, a really useful move.
2: Yeah, and during that time, see, um, I started doing a little video game change because, like, I'm going to let you folks know. When I was a kid, all I did was video games. I did not like playing outside, did not have an interest in other things. It would drive my parents crazy, but I didn't give a fuck. I still don't give a fuck. But in order to kind of get the little bit of the heat off of me, I told my parents I wanted to start playing some sports games. So my very first sports game was uh, FIFA 98 World Cup. It's a soccer game played on the N64 which was a lot of fun. And then after I was introduced to baseball by a neighbor who loved baseball, I played a game called All-Star Baseball 2000. I don't know if you've ever heard of it.
1: Oh yeah. yeah Derek
2: Jeter's on the Derek Jeter's on the on the sticker on the on the cartridge. At least I think I we I'm pretty sure. That it's, was sure uh, uh,
1: You are thinking of 03 or 04 cuz I had that game. Or no, it's 05. Because that was the one where you could go back and you could play the different historical scenarios. And one of them was the infamous 2003 NLCS Game 6 Steve Bartman game. And you could basically play as Mark Pryor after, like, Bartman screwed it up. And it was really cool because no baseball game had ever done anything like that where they would have these historical scenarios where you could sort of go back and, like, rewrite history.
2: I'm not too sure. I'm pretty sure that it, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna have. I'm not gonna really get into that. But it was a. It was called All Star Baseball 2000. And during that time, there was a very popular baseball game at with uh, with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. I forgot what it was called, but I, I know that his name was in the game or the title of the game. But I noticed that back then, back in the 90s, on the N64, a lot of sports games had the name of an athlete. Like there was Mia Hamm for women's, you know, for the soccer. There was uh, even Troy Griffin,
1: Junior. Troy, Troy Aikman Bo Jackson. had one.
2: Troy Aikman had one. Bruh, Brett Favre had one. A lot, there was a lot Bill of them Lim, back then. Joe yeah.
1: Lembier's Combat Basketball, although Beer actually made that game himself. It was he wasn't just like a representative. And by the way, it was All Star Baseball 2005. Just like I thought, another uh, All Star Baseball game with Jeter on the cover. That was for PS2. And like as a kid who really watched a lot of baseball and followed the game closely, and really just loved it in general, and it wasn't just like oh, like oh, like a sports computer game or whatever. It was really cool for me to be able to go back and replay those scenarios. I thought that was really interesting.
2: You know what's sad is video games in the 90s. You know the N64, the PS1. They don't make them like that anymore. Games they're not unique anymore. The, the length of the games themselves are too short. The gameplays are just not the same. I mean, I really miss how it was back in the 90s. But for me, I mean, this is different from you. I mean, you know, I've been a pro wrestling fan since I was a kid. So back then, obviously, I played the pro wrestling games on the N64. But I got to tell you, the games on the N64 have always been a hell of a lot better than the ones on the PS2 or these new ones like WWE 2K, you know, whatever. I mean, the 2Ks are just so awful. Absolutely awful. and I, I really miss those wrestling games from like, you know, there was one called WWF No Mercy, WCW versus NWO Revenge. I mean, any wrestling fan that's like me will agree that the, the games from back then, they were just unbelievable.
1: Well, you said 2K was awful. I thought the 2K football games were really fun, but I thought the 2K baseball games were pretty lame. There was one. uh I think it was 2K5 that had To on the cover, that I played the crap out of.
2: If it's the, yeah, he has the yeah, it ESPN is in the Eagles uniform, right?
1: Yeah, ESPN 2K5. Yeah, and I, like, I remember. Yeah, I remember that, that game. That game was better than Madden. Like Matt. Like at that time, 2K and Madden like were sort of rivals. Whereas now Madden sort of like runs unopposed, and there's just no college football game at all. But back then, like, you had NCAA. Those games were fun. I played a ton of NCAA 06, since we're talking about sports games around this time. After playing, like, NFL 2K5 a lot, NCAA 06 was one of, like, the first great sports games of, like, our age. Because the soundtrack was legendary. They introduced impact players. I just remember, like... Even though a new sports game came out every year, like NCA some of them were like specifically better than the others. Like Madden 07, as we like go down the timeline, with Sean Alexander on the cover, was way better than any Maddens before or after. Between like the way the hit stick balance was, and like there were legend teams in that that you didn't have to download online which like back 0607 like forget about like plugging your PS2 into online play like that wasn't even really a thing so yeah so Madden 07 NCAA 06 uh, the Show 06 and 07 these are my sort of favorite sports games growing up
2: okay well now I'm going since since you got to the PS2 the uh, Xbox and GameCube era so I move I'm moving off from the N64 so I got to the Xbox, you know, obviously, when I around the time I, I get to the Xbox, Halo is the best game of the world, I mean, it's the GOAT of video games during that time, and I'm talking about the original first Halo, and I was amazed, you know, a friend of mine had it, you know, he, he would bring it over, and, and much to my surprise, my parents didn't even care that we were playing it, but, I mean, Halo is a game that, I mean, I don't know about you, but it did change my life, I mean, I loved playing Halo,
1: Yeah, Halo 1 and 2 was really the first split-screen shooting game on console that was, like, universally popular and a ton of people played. And, like, even though it came around, it came out when, like, we were kids, it was one of these games where, like, if if you had an Xbox, like, you had to have Halo. Like, if you had an Xbox and you didn't have Halo, you were an idiot. And... That was a game that, like, pretty much everyone was expected to be able to play and get down with on some level. I remember I had, like, a projector set up at the time. Like, I would have, like, multiple friends over, and we would do four-way split screen. And, like, even the people who didn't even pl- have an Xbox or play Halo, like, recycled in and, like, wanted and liked to play. So, Halo was... Another thing about Halo was it was, like, you could do really competitive hardcore games that were well balanced and fun but more importantly like it was also really casual friendly and you could do like a lot of like goofball custom maps if you look at Halo 3 like the forged map editor that was insane and really gave that game a lot longer of a lifespan than it would have had normally we're talking about Halo 3 but with Halo 1 and 2 specifically I just remember playing a lot of split screen on them, like playing on Blood Gulch specifically, and then on Halo 3, I remember playing on Guardian a lot. And in general, the thing about Halo was you had your friends over and you sort of like would just play each other against each other, and it was nice, clean, fun. But before we go completely into the Xbox era, like one game I do have to mention going back to like PS1. Is like Twisted Metal. This was like another console oh. game I played.
2: <laughs> I mean, Twisted I never, I never Metal had a was PS great. One, but I remember that game very well. I mean, I had a friend about every an system, and it wasn't me begging him, "Can I come over? Can I come over and play?" It was the opposite. He would beg me to come over and play with him because he didn't have any siblings, and I was he the wanted only-
1: someone to play with. Yeah,
2: I was the only friend who had the interest of video games like he did. I mean, he was just like me. Did not have any interest in any in other activities. I mean, the only difference between him and me is his parents didn't give a fuck. They let him do whatever he wanted. They weren't bothered by it. But, I mean, yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, so many memories, you know. He would always, he, he, he would never hog anything. He would always, you know, play two-player. But, but I, I gotta talk about Halo. Now, as you were describing the whole thing with Halo, which I really appreciate because, you know, I was learning things I didn't know. Because I only played Halo 1 and 2, but when I was playing Halo, when I was growing up in-, in Keller, a guy I went to middle school and high school with, playing Halo with him was such a pain in the ass, He would, it would drive you crazy because every time, every time he would, he would keep bitching out, you're screen watching, you're screen watching, e- even though he was blatantly doing it himself, he would just pause the game and keep saying that I was screen watching, I'm like... I swear, like I swear to like I told I swear to God if you make me if you if I get bored out of Halo and everyone play it again I'm gonna blame you for, the, for you for this but I was like literally you cannot play a game of Halo without him bitching and moaning about screen watching every five fucking seconds
1: well the funny thing about screen watching was like in a way it was like sort of a way to prevent camping like you you can't like honestly completely just ignore what's on the other side of the screen. So, like, if if everyone, as long as you're just not blatantly watching their screen the whole time, like, oh, where did they spawn? Because, like, most most of the time it's in a 1v1, it's on a big-ass map, and, like, you're just trying to find engagements because, like, we've all had those times where we go over and it's just, like, you and the one other friend, and you want to play against each other, and if one person wants to get campy in a 1v1, then, like inevitably there's going to have to be some screen watching or it's going to be like a 4-kill to 2-kill 20-minute game. Another cool thing about Halo, and to me, like, hey, this is like Halo 2 specifically, is like the co-op campaign. Like, the co-op campaign was one of the best campaigns ever in Halo. And I remember replaying the map outskirts, like, over and over and over, like the second mission on the Halo 2 campaign. And that being, like, so much fun... And I remember Legendary being, like, immensely difficult as a middle schooler to do it on the most difficult difficulty. And to me, like, when I think about Halo 1, I think mostly about, like, just, like, Blood Gulch and, like, being, like, really young and, like, oh, this is, like, cool. When I think about Halo 2, I think about Outskirts. And when I think about Halo 3, I think about four-man split screen on Guardian. And uh, I think Halo 3 really knocked it out of the park multiplayer-wise thing about halo 3 was that came out on 360 so then you could actually have that was like one of the first major like xbox live games Oh yeah. because because doing live on on the original xbox was sort of like a joke and same with like the playstation 2 like it wasn't really uh, legitimate it wasn't c- uh, consistent the technology wasn't really there yet so w- whenever the 360 came out it finally was
2: See, it's no wonder, my friend. Uh, my friend Chris Smith was a really good friend. He told me exactly what, what you just said. Like back when online during PS2 and the regular Xbox, it was nothing compared to the 360. And and honestly, and as far as as you said about camping, that's exactly what he was doing. Now I now I fully understand why he kept bitching and moaning about me, about me screen watching. He was blatantly camping, and he obviously did not want to see me to see where he was. Even though I always got more kills than him, dude. The average score. Against him, take a guess. You want to know how the final score, what it was on average?
1: Let's hear it.
2: I always had more than 30 kills, while he never had more than 10. So on average, it was basically 34 to 9.
1: One thing about Halo 2, if you're 1v1ing someone, is you could pick up a power weapon like the Sniper or the Sword and go on like these huge runs... Dude, that it's not like- That's
2: exactly what I did. I would hide with a sniper or I would sneak up behind him and then and then get him with this with that sword. Of, I forgot what it's called. but The energy sword. The energy sword, exactly. Or a lot fly- of- I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: A lot of times in a Halo 1v1, like once you get the sniper, you go up to like a, a high power position that looks up over a lot of the map and a lot of the spawns and you can control the map from there, especially like if you know where the guys spawn and you can just peek it and like basically know where he's coming from, but that's how you can like go on really big streaks. And whenever you play one v ones in Halo, or if you look at a game like Call of Duty, like you're pretty much going to be spawning in with the same classes against each other almost always. Like you're going to settle on like okay, we're going to be using snipers. So that those one v ones play out differently. And a lot of times, like you have the the radar always on and stuff. But to me, like the Halo one v ones were never that good. It was always like if you ever if you're hanging out with one other person the co-op was better but if you had a bunch of people over then like this that was like what you really wanted that was the split screen because that was the shit but
2: it was and as far as the campaign goes i mean i only play i only play the campaigns of halo 1 and 2 as far as really good yeah really really good indeed especially the second one is my favorite especially from back when i was a kid i mean that's what i'm talking about they don't make games like this anymore I mean, am I exaggerating when I say that games are not as good as they were back when you and I were teenagers and kids?
1: No, it's not an exaggeration, but- It's the, the you fucking have to, truth. You, we well, you have to consider that what are the goals of companies these days? They want to shove as many skins and microtransactions into games as possible, and releasing like a top-tier finished product is not really the focus of the companies anymore, so it's no wonder why so much garbage gets released
2: amen to that and you know there was another very popular game uh, series on xbox you ever heard of splinter cell
1: uh yes See, I, I, never... loved,
2: I loved i love splinter cell and a lot of people do never like that that game series because you know, it's all about stealth and everything but i loved it the fact that it was difficult because you had to sneak around people you can kill people by you know breaking their necks you can throw them down the stairs you can knock them out hide their you have to hide their bodies i always found that to be pretty cool
1: yeah, I, I enjoyed Metal Gear Solid for the same reasons. The sort of stealthy aspect where you don't really... I mean, so many games, like story mode games, it's like, save this person, go to X point, and kill all the NPCs, but that that was different because you had to use like Guile and you couldn't just overwhelm them and go in guns blazing. So those games are interesting in their own regard. I remember playing Metal Gear Solid 4, I think. It was uh, it was for the PS4. It was, like, one of the first PS4 games to come out. And it was at a friend's house. That's why I don't remember. Yeah. It was Metal Gear Solid 4. And uh, I just remember being, like, blown away by, like, not only just, like, I'd never played a Metal Gear game before, but... Between, like, the graphics, the way the game played, and, like, all the options, I just, I had never played anything like it, and it was really interesting. Although, it's not like I went home and, like, got all the Metal Gear games and played through them, but... I remember, like, that was my first experience with the PS4, and if you remember, at the time, like, the PS4 versus Xbox, there was just, like, an insane amount of fanboyism from both sides, as though it was Cowboys versus Eagles... And one point for the PS4 side was, oh, the graphics, so much better graphics, the graphic capabilities. And that was one of the only games that I ever played where I was like, wow, holy shit, like, this looks good. Because I've always been a gameplay first person, a balance first person, and a guy who doesn't really give that much of a care about graphics. But that was one of the only times where I was like, really impressed and surprised by graphics was the first time I played Metal Gear Solid 4.
2: It's very interesting. You know, as far as Splinter Cell, like the, the first one, Splinter Cell Stealth Action Redefined, came out in 2002. and My dad got it for me as a, as, a, as a report card to grade. Yeah, I was that kind of kid. If I got good grades, my parents would actually buy me a video game just to reward me. But my dad went out and got me Splinter Cell, the first one, and I loved it. And I told my dad, I love the game so much, I told him, you know, it's a shame that the... That they, the next one comes out <clears> 2000, in two thousand four, which was Pandora Tomorrow. But you know, Spore you know, is a you know I think the, the developer is is a Ubisoft. And not long ago, I learned that Ubisoft is a French company. I mean, I feel like how did I not know this? Because Ubisoft is one of the most famous and popular uh, video game uh, developers of all time, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they they've made Rambo, Siege, among other games, but they're certainly pretty big.
2: I mean, they make a, they, they also did Assassin's Creed too, as well.
1: Yeah, I mean they're a triple A studio. Yeah.
2: yeah, they sure. Are. You know, and speaking of the, cause I know, you know, something They're called Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon. See, a friend of mine ran Like we were talking about, it, and he asks me out of nowhere, Alex. I wonder. I wonder if Tom Clancy gets um, royalties from all this. I'm like, dude, there is no way in hell. That he had not gotten royalties. Like, first of all, these games were all created because of his books. Okay, first of all, it's not that it's not just that his name is on the. I mean, first of all, the name has to be on the title because, like I just said, those games were cre- were based on the creation. The creation of those games were based on the ideas from his books.
1: There is no. It's, way It's, in a, hell it's essentially a mar- It's a marketing ploy, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I I played quite a few of them growing up, and like games like that, so calm, like shit, like that, and. I haven't played like the Rainbow Six that they're like try to have as an eSport where literally 80% of the game half of the, the map between attacker and CT side is cut off and it's just them like setting up static defense and looking at each other with cameras like why anyone would watch that game voluntarily is beyond me but yeah that's another Ubisoft game and if we we not we don't want to speed through just because we naturally float into the Halo series, but I remember like I sort of had that period where after like the beginning of like the Twisted Metal and the Quake and the Doom, which Quake and Doom is where I established my love for FPS. Around 2004, I started playing RuneScape, which was like my first introduction to like a truly like multiplayer game and like talking to other people over the internet. And that was big because A, you could play it on any browser. You didn't have to install it. So I, I could play it at my parents' work. And B, like a lot of other people played it in my age group. So I could like talk to my friends over the game. So it's uh That was like a huge milestone in my gaming life because I still play old school RuneScape. It's something that is like very relaxing. And it's sort of like the game when I just want to kick back and chill that I play if I don't want to try hard and going absolutely crazy on the keyboard but and then after i started playing runescape around 2004 which was really only really one of the only like rpgs or mmos that i got into around uh like the two, that's when i was really into sports games other than runescape so that was kind of like the ps2 era and then i would played like a little bit of red alert too but not very much on the computer I had really, really bad internet until I was like 14, so it severely inhibited my ability to do anything other than play RuneScape online. I
2: hear you, and you know, I gotta ask you, did you ever play Half-Life?
1: Uh, no, I haven't.
2: See, I didn't play Half-Life, well, the, the first one came out, I believe it was 1998, see I didn't get into Half-Life until Half-Life 2 came out, and a dude who lived in my neighborhood was like, you know, he, he's just like you today, he's a strong PC gamer. I mean, he introduced me to Doom 3, introduced me to all the Counter-Strikes, Half-Life. It was cool. And, you, know, you talk about Doom 2. See, the only Doom I ever played was Doom 3. And I think Doom 3 was actually an amazing game, even though a lot of people don't like it. I mean, believe it or not, it was voted Game of the Year in 2005.
1: Well, it was drastically different from Doom 1 and 2, which is a big reason why people didn't like it. And Doom, Doom 2 was a cornerstone classic game and one of these like uh, defining games in a period in PC history and a game that really like pushed the envelope and was incredible and a lot of that had to do with the soundtrack and like how well it tied the game together but Doom 2 is just absolutely god tier
2: Yeah, I'd like to try it because you know since you've been suggesting that game for a while and I'm going to try it I'm actually looking right now Doom 3 is available on the PlayStation 4, so I'm pretty sure that means that I can go on the network and download it. So I'm probably going to do that in the next couple of days. But, you know, you know, playing Half-Life 2, like, I never played the actual story. I mean, because my friend said that during that time, I mean, he said that the campaign, the story and all is cool, but to really, I mean, what's really popular about the game was not so much the campaign, it was just the online play because it was during that time, like in the mid-2000s, especially in PC gaming, like like you just said about RuneScape, that's when online PC gaming was, was really it's you know, getting to the top of the mountain. That's when it was really becoming like in your words, it was becoming god tier.
1: Well, you have to consider that like if you just not not to like go completely down the rabbit hole, but if you just look at like a very brief synopsis of like PC gaming versus like console gaming like, you had Pong, and, like, the s e n s and, like, all this other stuff, like, the Dreamcast, and all these different little console games, or consoles that came out, and they had, like, their own little set of games they offered, and, like, the Super Nintendo, and all this stuff, and that's sort of, like, the 70s and 80s uh, era of gaming, and, like, the arcade, and this is, like, the stuff that, like, your mother or, like, your dad or something would think of when they think of gaming, I suppose. Or, like, st- the way gaming would be portrayed in a, uh... in, like, a, in like a movie or something. But when, the, like, the late 90s came and, like, you really started to see some of the, like, the beginnings of esports even and, like, true, actual, like, hardcore gaming and competition, especially on the computer side of things... With games like Counter-Strike, and with games like Doom 2, and Quake 3 The Arena were like the, th- the three big games in the early days of PC that really had an impact. And of course StarCraft, which literally created esports. Although I didn't actually discover StarCraft until I was in high school which is why I didn't bring it up initially. But if you're looking at most impactful games and like gaming history and PC gaming history, StarCraft's right at the top of the list. And you don't have any esports at all without StarCraft. It never reaches any form of legitimacy or any sort of mainstream kickoff. And... <coughs> I won't turn this into a StarCraft episode, but since we're, it is relevant to what we're talking about. You're
2: you're telling me about yourself, so So, so yeah.
1: So yeah, so it's just that in the early '90s there was uh, a huge movement with basically the creation of esports with these Korean StarCraft players, and just in Korea in general, StarCraft tournaments were starting to occur, and this was sort of the genesis of esports and. Equally as important, in 2010, back when Twitch TV was still in its infancy, which was, of course, like the backbone of the gaming community on the internet at the moment, back when it was called Justin TV, StarCraft 2 was the game that took that site into the mainstream. It was the game that was consistently highest rated in terms of viewership on that site, and it was the highest, the highest respected game. And the one that drew people to that site and even legitimized esports at all to begin with. So, StarCraft, as you'll learn later in this podcast, is like a huge part of my gaming history, and it's something I picked up in 2012 after the Texas Rangers choked away their division. So,
2: <laughs> you know, I'm gonna skip my teenagers because my teenagers and video game were quite boring because you know. I'm gonna talk about my my adult years, like basically when, you know, when I went to when I transferred to UNT, when I had to quit video games for a while, to when, you know, a couple months ago I went I went fully back into it, you know. Video games are just fun, you know, but you know, uh, when I went back to video gaming, uh, first of all, well, I'm, I'm gonna jump right into the story, about like I recently went back to video games, be, well. A lot of you, uh, if if some of you here who'll be listening to this show, if, if y'all listen to my Cowboys talk show and my soccer talk show, you'll know that I'm a sports writer. And a couple months ago, you know, I've been I graduated from school four years ago. You know, it, it's been really tough, y'all. I mean, I worked for a website which I left a few months ago after I got screwed over. I don't want to get too much in that because I'm because I'm doing Wiley's following Wiley's advice. I'm you know not trying not to think about it, but. Two months ago, I nearly went into a severe depression until a couple of my a couple of friends, including Wiley here, reached out and grabbed my hand as I was falling into that big black hole. And Wiley, you actually suggested, you know, go back to gaming, Alex, because it makes you happy. And believe it or not, my mom actually did it too. Even though growing up, she was always annoyed about me with my video game habits. So much to my surprise, even my mom suggested it because I guess maybe she just realized as long as he's happy, he's not stressed and whatever. But so I did. I basically, you know, uh, I restarted uh, the Batman Arkham series. I finished that a couple months ago. I'm I'm working on the Uncharted series right now. I don't know if you've played it. Right now, I'm going back because I'm trying to pick up all the treasures. If you're familiar with the series, like around the game, there's all these treasures you can find. So I'm going back to do that. But you know, video games. I mean, I can say video, video games are just they're relaxing. They're just a way of life, really.
1: yeah and uh i think especially when you look into like like hardcore competitive games and you can even get into the esports side of things or if you just want to think of them as more of like tournaments or like super competitive side of things this is another element that can bring people together and make the games more interesting whenever you go to these tournaments and get to meet your internet friends in real life finally and you get to be a bunch around a bunch of like-minded people. And these uh, tournaments that have been occurring more into the mainstream within the last 10 years, but really have been in America since the early 2000s, the sort of stigma around them is being lessened every year. But more importantly, it allows the people who share common interests for a very esoteric thing to be able to come together and bond.
2: Well said, and see. Well, honestly, like before my uh, near depression hit, I wasn't. I was back into video games a bit briefly, but then I stopped for a while because I never had time because I was working so much. Because you know, I, I work independently. I, I have my job where I work my own schedule. I don't want to say it here because it's a little bit embarrassing, but Wiley knows what, what I'm saying. But I decided, you know what, I need to work only this amount of time. You know, do my articles, do my podcast. And then have some have some days off where I just do nothing but have fun. So that's why I went back to gaming full time, and you know, going around, you know, playing. I mean, I'm asking, did you ever play the Batman Arkham series, Wiley?
1: No, I didn't. I'm familiar with it though.
2: Okay, I mean, well, you know, for me, I felt like that was one of the games series I had to play because I grew up loving Batman. You know, even to this day, I love Batman the animated series. So I figured, you know what? Because Kevin Conroy's voice was—he was voicing Batman like he did in the animated series. I was like, well, there you go. There's there's part of my childhood to relive right there. And, you know, Batman Arkham... I mean, this was this is the remastered because I played the Arkham series. I played Batman uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Origins on the 360. But these were the remastered versions, like better graphics, more challenges, you know, better gameplay. So this was cool. Like, this was more challenging. You know, it was more unique. And I was like, wow. <laughs> And then now I'm getting to Uncharted, and Uncharted. Unfortunately, like when I was a teenager, I never had a PS3, and Uncharted is a PlayStation-only series. Uh, have you played that series, by the way, Wiley? Or are you familiar with no, that No, never.
1: I'm not really, not at all. No. Okay, and, I know it's like a story game, but other than that, no, nothing.
2: It's basically yeah, st- story, or you know, in video game terms, action slash adventure. But you know, but story, but basically that is that's a story, basically, because you really go on an adventure. It's like it's a story to tell the kids, basically.
1: Well, it's a story game as opposed to a multiplayer game. I mean, yeah, it, me? it,
2: it does have a multiplayer thingy, but you know, but it's it's worthless. Or, or in your words, it, it's fraud.
1: Wait, is it is it like co-op co-op story, or is it like PVP?
2: It's like the James. It's like those James Bond multiplayer games. You you, you go around, you shoot each other. Which other guy has most kills? Wins the wins the session. That's so it's just like okay.
1: Stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it, I didn't, I didn't even know that it had multiplayer. I thought it was mostly a single-player game.
2: I mean, well, it, it, it does have. It has, some of them probably don't have the multiples. I don't know. But for the most part, it is a one player game. Like, the main element of the game is is just a single player game.
1: Yeah. So, makes sense.
2: Yeah. So I'm working on that. I'm about to be done with Uncharted 2. I mean, I, I did finish the series months ago when, when I was on my brief video game run. But I went back on this one because, like I said, there's all these treasures you, you can pick up on all the levels. I mean, all the Uncharted people who played Uncharted who are listening right now know. They know exactly what I'm saying, and they figure, you know what? Yeah, you just feel like you have to go back and get all the treasures so you can unlock these achievements. You know, get it, gain a hundred percent. I mean, that's what I did with Batman. You know, did all the riddles and everything. But, but you know, and during this time, I was even playing Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love that game. I mean, in, in, in that game, man, I can't tell you all the horrible and evil stuff I do.
1: I remember playing Vice. <laughs> I remember. I played Vice City as a kid and would just like do the weapon cheat and like screw around for hours. That was like I remember the first time like I played Vice City. I was with like some like way older guys, and they were like, "Are you sure your dad's okay if we let you play this?" I was like, "Yeah, for sure." I've been playing.
2: They always said they always asked that because that those games were not just the simple rated M for mature. Those games were on a higher level.
1: It wasn't just like doom like you're killing demons and it's really violent it's like oh you get to do anything you want and it's just like irl (laughs) but anyway like yeah like just screwing around in vice city was fun i just remember like the water in that game if your guy stepped in a puddle he would drown it was freaking ridiculous like yes i think a lot of that came down to like the, the amount, like um, the amount of like open world they could code, and like the physics or something, like it's just speculation. But I played some of that and enjoyed it. But I think like I was playing like pretty steady Runescape because my internet was so bad. There was a local monopoly uh, in West Texas at the time for the internet service providers, and I couldn't get good enough internet to like play Halo or anything. So. I I wasn't playing Xbox Live, I was only, like, I was playing Halo, but it was only when I would have people over and we would split screen, and RuneScape is so, like, low APM and just easy and simple, and you can play it on, like, a brick computer with bad internet and, like, be fine, pretty much, so that's why I stuck to that. But then, crucially, in 2009, when I was a freshman in high school, I befriended this kid that lived down the street from me, and we would play pickup football every day. And then after football, we would go into his house, and, like, he had this god tier game that changed my life. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And, like, and and, and at the time, like, everyone and their dog played this game. And, like, I ended up, like, we ended up upgrading our internet because it it had improved at at the time of the ISP. And, like, I got uh, Modern Warfare 2 and like was just like ridiculously addicted to that for months because it was really like the first true like online FPS multiplayer experience I had and Modern Warfare 2 stands out to me in my mind's eye differently than other games because when Modern Warfare 2 was in its prime so from 2000 from November of 2009 to November of 2010 you would get home from school and log online, and every single person on your friends list would be playing Modern Warfare 2. Like 15 out of 15 people, Modern Warfare 2. I mean, that's and not it joke. was to, it's not I mean, it, or an exa- or an exaggeration. And like Absolutely the, not. the the thing that was cool was you never had to worry about having to play with randoms or not being able to get a full team. So, what that meant was, like, this was, like, you never really ran into this before or after, but, like, sometimes you would have to, like, pick and choose. Like, well, we have seven people, we the max party size is six, so what are we going to do? No one wants to play Ground War, but it was always funny to me how, like, everyone played Modern Warfare 2. Like, the hardcore FPS kids played Modern Warfare 2. Like, the casual, like, sports fans on Xbox that were, like, Madden guys played Modern Warfare 2. Like, the, the, uh, the RPG guys that, like, Oblivion played Modern Warfare 2. Modern Warfare 2 was, like, the one game that, like, brought everyone together in a very odd way where you were in this weird spot where it was, like, a lot of unity and you didn't see that. And Black Ops came out and it was so, sort of like that for a week and then Skyrim came out, and then the player base was permanently fractured. And a lot of that had to do with when Skyrim came out, it initially fractured, but then a lot of the people who worshipped Modern Warfare 2 the hardest, which was of course like a balls-to-the-wall, ludicrously fast, like insanely abusive game, the people who benefited from that sort of play style and absurdity, like weren't able to adjust their style to the slow, more balanced Black Ops, and There was a big exodus of, like, basically the most abusive, obnoxious Modern Warfare 2 players. None of them really played Black Ops for more than a month. But, like, the people who knew Modern Warfare 2 was garbage and was, like, poorly balanced by the time the uh, game's life had come to an end a year later, they loved Black Ops. So, that was definitely my favorite Call of Duty, and the one that I played most, Call of Duty Black Ops 1, the Blackbird killstreak in that was specifically great. And uh, the MP5 was really nice as well. And that was, like, when I was really first starting to make Call of Duty YouTube videos, too, on my channel, Venomous Stare. So, if you go back and sort by inverted date, you can find some of those still. I think they started out with, like, pretty wretched quality, but it was, like, ten years ago. So, I did Call of Duty until... Uh, Modern Warfare 3 was terrible, or not terrible, but bad, and then Modern Warfare, or uh, Black Ops 2, I had such high hopes for it, because I love Black Ops 1, and it was just, like, another boring shooter. And it was around that time, which, like, I picked up StarCraft, and, like, that w- that's been the game that's, like, completely dominated my gaming resume, and, like, what I've been interested in up until this day, with the exception of, like, a couple sprinklings in and then crucially like a few months, maybe like six months ago, I became really interested in Counter-Strike.
2: Great, dude. You know, thank you so much for mentioning call of duty. Cause I cannot believe I actually, this was not on my mind, but call of duty. God damn. I, I, I swear. I, I want to play them all again. You, you know, and a lot of people forget, like, the very first Call of... Okay, it was not... Okay, Finest Hour was not exactly the very first one. At least, it was the first one I played it. I think it was the first one that kind of really got the series up and running. I mean, there was Call of Duty, Finest Hour. Then there was the second one which was, was called... I, I believe it was called Big Red or something like that. Big Red One. Big Red One. Big Red One. And then there was the third one that was also uh, World War Two based But Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, that's where really Call of Duty began a skyrocket.
1: That's- yeah, exactly. But as far because as modern- I'm sorry, go ahead. A, a big part of that was that was like the first Call of Duty on Xbox 360 that was balanced and like had like really interesting playable online. COD 2 was like really esoteric, even though it was like actually not bad. Like the a lot of the appeal that like Modern Warfare 2 had, like COD 4 had, although i will say like even though i the reason i sort of i've been telling this through, this is my story right which is why when i brought up like the biggest games in early pc history i started with quake and doom and not starcraft even though starcraft had the biggest impact like i didn't play it at the time that's why i said quake and doom same with modern warfare 2 like modern warfare 2 had a huge impact on me and chronologically it was like the first COD i played but I went back and played uh, World at War and COD 4 on Xbox and on uh, PC. And of course, World at War is sort of like a. Even though Zombies was really fun and that was what people remember that by, it was like a really poorly balanced multiplayer game. MP40, Juggernaut, Steady Am was like the de facto best class setup on every map. It was a really weird game as far as like. The, the classes go and, like, the gun balance where almost every other COD, it's, like, five ARs are all pretty good and, like, one or two of the subs are okay and, like, all LMGs suck and, like, two or three of the snipers are good. That's, like, the general setup for Call of Duty. In this game, it was, like, all the assault rifles were a joke and three out of the four subs were top tier, but it wasn't, like, as rushy as you would think. One thing that World at War did great was the aesthetics and, like, I don't want to just call it the gore to sound like a weirdo, but like the death physics would be the better way to put that. Like, when your guy, your character would die, he wouldn't just like red splatter and fall to the ground. Like, if he, if some, if someone shot you, your feet with a rocket, like your legs would blow off. And that's the only reason I'm bringing this up is because this this physics is not something we saw before. Or after this was actually something that they were like. This takes up too much memory in our code. We can't do this. But COD-4 was actually better than both of them. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, even though the M16 and the MP5 were the best guns, MP40 was still very good. Or not MP40, M40. The Sniper was, like, really good. There was a lot more parody in that game, even though the MP5 and the M16s were, like, yeah, a little bit above the other guns, and if you played game battles, that's what you were going to see a lot of, but there was a a lot more options in that game. The maps were better, the spawns were better. Rule that War had, even though, like, the maps were, like, cool and, like, made sense within the game, a lot of them were sort of, like, dark and, like, clusterfucky and they didn't flow very well. They like looked cool, and they sort of felt like campaign maps, but they didn't flow like multiplayer maps. Whereas, like, COD 4, 100%, like, the people that made that game, and even though the COD 4 campaign is actually good, like, the COD 4 multiplayer is perfect. Like, if, if, if you were to just take an intellectually honest look at all the Call of Duties, and you were to ask someone, like, if we just were trying to figure out, like, who was the best team like which call of duty would we make them play on without a doubt you would play on either black ops 1 or cod 4 and like to me like i think i think that black ops 1 is like actually like the more fun overall game but the cod 4 is like way more bare bones like no customizable kill streaks three attachments for everything like i think if you showed like zoomers COD 4 now they wouldn't appreciate it they would think it was boring they wouldn't get it but in its time it was excellent and it was excellent and like everyone it was popular and everyone that played it really liked it and there was almost no bitching and almost no like balance issues or stinker maps so whenever modern warfare 2 came out after like weird world at war which like i said was abnormal in many ways people jumped all over modern warfare 2 And that's why it set all those records for, like, uh, highest sales.
2: I mean, see, I'm going to give my whole thing on Call of Duty. Call of Duty World at War, honestly, for me, that's where really things started to skyrocket. I did play the campaign. I loved it. Obviously, as far as Call of Duty World at War, there's the online play, but there's also the zombie one.
1: I think, by the way, the World at War campaign is the best COD campaign narrative wise history wise uh just great and like one thing that i will say about like the the world at war campaign is like they were actually honest about like the japanese war crimes against americans and it's not just like ridiculous propaganda that you see in a lot of like world war ii media i thought that it was like pretty even-handed and not like really hackneyed politically like we see from a lot of games
2: See, and I like also how you also play uh, as this, as a Soviet soldier. Like the first mission yeah, it, is was was during the Battle of Stalingrad. You wake up, you're unconscious in a in a fountain. And there's like all these dead Russians next to you, and then one of them. A well, you switch
1: blast. around POVs? Like yeah. you're you're the Soviet in some of them, and you're an American in some of them, like. That, and, like, that's part of what makes the campaign so interesting. It's yeah. also the most difficult COD campaign. If you're going to, like, go it through is. all of them and play on Legendary, it is fucking hard. It's it, really, it, really it hard.
2: Is. And, you know, see, for Call of Duty, I mean, those missions, you know, when you're on Okinawa, you know, those Pacific missions, they were they were fun. They really were. And that mission, you know, with the Battle of Stalingrad, how does that sound like with these airplanes are flying over and then you have to shoot these guys with a sniper... He he tells you the, the roaring engines of the planes will cover the, the the gunshots. It's it was so good, but now I'm gonna go to the Modern Warfare. Now Modern Warfare the that campaign I felt was good. The online plane was okay, but it was Modern Warfare Two. Modern Warfare Two is Modern Warfare two and Black Ops. Now those are the life changing ones, especially Black Ops. But Modern Warfare two, man, I love the I love the story because it, it it's it picks up from, from the regular Modern Warfare. Now Excuse me. In the modern warfare, in a setting as you recall, there is a civil war going on in Russia because there is the Russian government versus the ultra-nationalists, as they are called. The ultra-nationalists are a bunch of like radical. I'm not sure what kind of radical group they are, but they are obsessed with with turning Russia back into its old Soviet Union form. In their view, it's simply make Russia great again. I mean, I'm not making a joke about the whole thing, but knowing what those those Russian nationalists in that game are about. It's, it's, they want to make Russia strong again because they want to overthrow the current Russian regime which they feel is, is weak.
1: Well famously, you don't have to turn this into like a metapolitical point. Famously this just got turned into like a silly meme people would use where they would show the, the screenshot from the beginning of the no Russian mission before the elevator opens up and that just sort of became a meme. And in the same way that Modern Warfare 2 had a lot more appeal than all the other games at the time and like sort of like before a sense. if you look at the people in our age group and like who all played it because like you have to remember one of the things that is like most important about the point that i'm trying to make is that this was a game that like every different group of people like put down their own interest to play this everybody played modern warfare 2 after this like, people went back to Skyrim and Oblivion and whatever shit they were playing before. And, like, that's a key distinction. Because, bef- like, before, like before, not everyone was on COD 4. Like, you had plenty of people on Oblivion. Like, Black Ops was the best game out of all of them. You had a crapload of people on Skyrim for months and months and months, beating that single-player game over and over again. And, like, that sort of stuff baffles me. I've always definitely favored multiplayer over single player, but I've always been a very competitive person, which is why once I found StarCraft in 2012, I really haven't had a need for any other games. I had, like, I played League of Legends for a few years, starting in, like, 2013, or I guess late 2012, because my friends wanted me to, but. If it was up to me, we, like, would have all just played StarCraft for years and years and years. But games like League of Legends are very appealing to casual players. And games like StarCraft, where it's all about inward reflection and taking accountability for your actions, these games are not nearly as popular. So it's always going to be easier to blame your teammate for something than it is to, like, actually look inward and be like, wow, I suck. That's 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 part of that's like it because like that you have if you're a StarCraft player like you have to do that like a million times to like improve like it's amazing like even whenever you're like diamond league it's like wow I made a lot of unforced errors I'm bad I'm like legitimately bad like it's usually people can only do that two or three times before they're like I'd rather go play League of Legends and like cry about made up toxicity.
2: But, you know, I'm going to try to finish up my uh, take on Call of Duty. But, you know, Modern Warfare too. I, I love... See, recently I, I played a, a remastered version on the uh, PlayStation 4. And, I, and I, I find it so funny that they ask me... They, they tell me, obviously, about the mission No Russian, which is, you know, that mission that infamous mission. I'm like, no, it's not going to offend me, you know, whatever. Because, you know, I get it. The scene is violent. It's graphic, yada, yada, yada. But you know what? knowing the setting and the story of the whole entire game, it makes perfect sense. Because in Modern Warfare 2, like, the ultra-nationalists, they won the Civil War. Like, Russia is basically under, you know, Russia is brutal. And because of that mission, if you remember correctly, as a result of that mission, Russia invades the United States. So, I mean, the whole story of Modern Warfare 1 to Modern Warfare 2... It is so cool. And, and then you see that there's that point where General Shepard betrays you and betrays the United States. It's all it, also cool. It, it, it's just so unique. I mean, even though it's fiction, it's just so realistic. Just, well, it's funny. It's, it's, it's funny, so funny cool. that
1: you're, you're so interested in have all this recollection of the campaign because I literally put 30 days into Modern Warfare 2 and, like, didn't get past the second mission it's all about well, the multiplayer. Okay, okay, well, there you All go. about the multiplayer. Like to me like you when you booted that game, you didn't even consider clicking on spec ops for single player. So, in fact, like there was even a setting you could turn on that like a lot of people didn't know about where you could just like when you booted the game, it would bring you straight to multiplayer, but yeah, overall I think that like around 2012 I stopped being interested in like playing console games and i like started moving on to pc gaming because it was more competitive and that pretty much wraps up my history as a gamer and if you're interested in seeing that progression throughout any period my channel venomous stare will be in the description i'm not the sort of person who like hides and privates old videos because the quality is bad or my voice is high so you can go nuts and go watch some of those old console commentaries if you really want to. So
2: y'all, re- y'all really should, by the way. I mean, Wiley, you know, Venomous Stare, Wiley. Aside from a dude named Center Strain One, these two are like the best game, best gamers on YouTube. You have to watch their channel. I mean, I, Wiley. I don't know if you've seen Center Strain One stuff, but you really should. But uh, I'm gonna wrap up my, my Call of Duty. You know, uh, now i to ask you. As, as I'm gonna be honest, yeah, I do play the campaigns. I know a lot of y'all don't. But for me, I, I just feel like the campaigns are just so interesting. I mean, because the stories are so cool. So I figure, you know what? Eh, I'm going to make the most of this game. I'm going to play the campaign. But the, the campaign of Black Ops. Now, Black Ops, it's a little bit twisted, I believe. I mean, you, you remember that the opening mission, I believe it's the Bay of Pigs is going on. And then you you assassinate what what, you, what is thought to be Fidel Castro, but it turns out to be a fake.
1: Yeah, the Black Ops campaign was really cool because, at least narrative-wise, they tried to do this... <laughs> They tried to do this thing where your guy was like being interrogated and was sort of like missing memories and you're sort of in a perpetual fish out of water sequence and you're always trying to unpack the truth but to me like a lot of what was cool about that was they really nailed like the whole cold war ambiance and like feel of that conflict that was part of what made that cool and interesting
2: Black Ops and Modern Warfare—that's Modern Warfare Two. That's where I stopped playing Call of Duty. I, after that, never played any of them. But from what I'm told, you know, even from you, is that the games after that they were awful.
1: Well, Modern Warfare Three was pretty bad. Like, what the, the you want to hear? Like, pretty much the TLDR of Modern Warfare Three was like, Modern Warfare Two had a great base, and they could have done two balance patches and made it the best FPS ever, but they shit the bed and didn't. And then they knew that that was the case. And, like, Robert Bowling, the guy who was responsible for screwing up, came out when they were previewing Modern Warfare 3 and was, like... He went and, like, said all this stuff, like, there's no one-man army, no last stand, fuck you, last stand. And then there was final stand in the game, which, like, they're essentially identical. Like, Robert Bowling, like, got up on stage and essentially was, like... We got rid of all the stupid bullshit everyone knew was bullshit for Modern Warfare 2, and then they actually didn't. That was like pretty much Modern Warfare 3 is like it was a little bit less bullshit, but like a lot less fun. Then Black Ops 2 was just it was like decent for like just a take out of the box shooter, but was crap compared to Black Ops 1. And then after that, there were like a bunch of really terrible ones. And then Black Ops 4 was okay. But they did this thing where there was no regen, you had to, like, inject yourself to regen, and there were heroes. And, like, the third hero they released was named Zero. And she had an ability that countered, like, every single killstreak and piece of equipment in the game. So it, like, ruined the entire game and was awful to play against. And then Modern Warfare 2 was unplayably bad and an atrocity. And I've played the beta for this most recent one, and it seems passable.
2: seems like you are super well-knowledged in the game of Call of Duty, Wiley. I mean, it's like you said, Modern Warfare changed your life.
1: Well, that was when I really sort of uh, understood like the depth of like, oh, I have like good internet now and I can officially like play games with friends every night. But I think we can sort of start to wrap it up.
2: Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Well, you know what? We have to talk about it. Since this is called Rage Quit and we just spent a lot of time talking about Call of Duty, I got to ask you, in your time playing online, did you ever have to play with people who had such anger problems playing the game?
1: Oh, of course. Like, <laughs> in fact, like it's almost a, it's almost a di- a dime a dozen experience. Like if you're playing well, like you're gonna be making people angry. And in my in like my console prime as far as like when I was having the most fun, like in Black ops One. It was a frequent occurrence in 6v6 games for me to party with like just two or three other people. And we'd go into domination games and do what was called running people out of lobbies, where essentially what would happen was you'd get in a game and someone would be running their mouth and you would play against them and beat them and then you would talk shit back and they would talk shit back and then the next game would start. And then almost always, about 50 tickets into that next game, they've quit and you have you have hints run them out of the lobby and to me like that was something that was always very fun to do was like take over lobbies so to speak and put the opponent in a position where they don't want to play against you like they would rather leave that game and just take the loss and move on than have to play against you and your boys mm-hmm. and I think when you when it comes down to like console gaming like that's really the whole point. That when you play a game like COD, you play with your friends, and you, the idea is like you you get like a six man, you queue for a dom or whatever your game mode of choice is, and you never have to re-queue because you just win, 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 and run everyone out of the lobby. Just keep getting fresh opponents, and uh, honestly, I think that that after so much of doing that, that gets old, like. for me for for me personally like smashing the six-man console lobbies was like really like super boredom mode because you either you beat the brakes off the people who are bad to the point where like you there aren't enough kills to go around or you play like the very very rare like super try hard well-coordinated team which like isn't really fun either like there's no happy medium like Games like uh, Counter-Strike are just more fun than Call of Duty because it's more tactical, there's more elements to be controlled, and there's more skill. It's a more skillful game, and if you're an intelligent person and a good player, you can differentiate that more than just a game like Call of Duty, which, frankly, is fucking brain-dead. Like, the amount, like, the mechanics and, like, the style you use to play Call of Duty it's compared to a game like counter-strike it's a joke like it's very very simple the guns have very little recoil uh mechanically it's simple they're you know like i could go on and on like there's no economy you just pick whatever gun you want and then cods like the the most recent cods we've seen you can just you can literally put like every attachment on a gun if you want Whereas if you look at a gun like a game like Call of Duty Four, you couldn't even have a silencer on a sniper rifle. You can only have one attachment on a gun, no matter what. And they would actually use like attachments to balance guns like the AK. So like the AK, if you put a red dot on it, it was at, and same with silencer, it would actually get in an ACOG. It would get a damage reduction. And because it was so good, they didn't want people to like basically like they wanted to punish them for using an attachment. And, like, we don't really see stuff like that anymore. Another game I played that, like, wasn't even really worth mentioning, even though I played it a lot and made a bunch of videos over it, was Overwatch. This is a game masquerading as an eSport that doesn't even have a scoreboard. It's a total joke of a game, and Blizzard has been officially propping it up since day one.
2: Wow. Well said, Wily. You know, honestly, I've had my fair share of rages and, you know, trolling other people, but you know what? Telling my story would take too long, but you know what? We're going to go ahead and close this up right now. I'm just going to say one quick funny story. Like, I remember playing, I used to play, I would play FIFA online, and one time I was playing a, a fellow Frenchman of mine, you know, a, a fellow Frenchman, I should just say. Ten minutes into the game, I was already at 5 nothing. This dude just cursing me. I mean, I'm getting, I'm, I'm just, I'm laughing so hard in my head right now because I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was like six years ago. It was like it was a year before, like you know, you and I were friends. But this dude, I mean, it's just a freaking video game. I was just scoring goals. I was not even judging him or anything. I was just my mouth was shut, and this dude just goes on a fucking tear and just just quits the game. I'm just like, all this rage, all that stuff, all over a freaking video game, dude. Are you fucking serious? But I get it. For some gamers, they it, it means the world to them, and apparently, it's worth it getting angry. It's worth it to throw your controller against the wall, damage your wall, break your controller, waste money. So you know what? If it's worth it to them, I'm not going to bother asking. Really, it's none of my fucking business. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much for joining me on the very first episode of Rage Quit. Wiley, it was such an honor to have you on. I look forward to having you back on. I look forward to learning more about you as you are a certified video game expert, buddy. Easy. Easy.